Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Unfortunately, it is the news that we can't get away from at the moment. COVID-19 is dominating the news agenda, as you'd expect, uh, with more cases manifesting themselves every day in more and more countries. It's, of course, wrought havoc on the various processes and, and systems that we rely upon on a daily basis. And, and purely from a footballing perspective has ground the domestic season to a halt and uh, for the foreseeable future and has postponed Euro 2020 until 2021. Um, the Champions League ties were played behind closed doors in the past few weeks. It was a very odd and, and sombre affair. And, and finally, the correct decision has been made by the various footballing and governing bodies to postpone leagues around the world in, in light of the pandemic. Um, however, as regular listeners will know, this isn't a current affairs podcast. Uh, we very much doubt anybody will need reminded of the current global situation. That is why we're back with another instalment of the Scouted Football Podcast, hopefully bringing some much needed respite and, and hopefully entertainment in the midst of quite peculiar times and, and probably self-isolation for many. As ever, I'm your grateful host, Joe Donahue, and today we're going to have somewhat of a Spanish focus to, to the episode Nice little milestone for us uh, as we've reached episode 20. Uh, to celebrate, we are rejoined by Spanish football expert, uh, regular contributor to the Scout Football Handbooks and an all-round good bloke, David Cartledge. Um, first off, David, how, how are you doing? I, I hope you're not being too inconvenienced by, by everything going on and I, and I hope you're keeping well. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, everybody. Um, no, I'm all good. Um, I'm, I'm, I've just moved into a new house, so finally I'm settled in there. Thankfully, I think two weeks earlier this thing started happening and then I would have been in real trouble but um, yeah it's like yeah yeah I'm, I'm all settled in um, um, my cupboards and my fridge are full and I have plenty of toilet roll so so everything's all good and hopefully this podcast can give people a welcome break from what everything's going on I think. Yeah we were just discussing uh, just before we started recording that a house move during I mean these times now would have been would have been an absolute nightmare um, so it's good, good that you got that over and done with. Um, to, in this episode today, we will be uh, exploring the Basque country, um, focusing mainly on, on Copa del Rey finalists, Athletic Club and, and Real Sociedad. Uh, but just to begin with, um, when I initially sent across the topics for discussion uh, today, it was, it was probably a bit of a glaring error that, that I neglected to mention uh, Athletic Club goalkeeper Unai Simon, um, who has been outstanding. 12 clean sheets in all competitions this season, 10 in La Liga, 2 in Copa del Rey, um, 22 years old, looking in much better shape than the likes of Kepa, Aris Balaga, uh, Paul Lopez, and in truth, probably uh, David De Gea too. Um, I suppose you probably know where I'm going with this first question, David, but is he good enough to stake a claim for the number one jersey for Spain in, in, the, in the coming months and years? Yeah, it's the one everyone's now starting to ask in Spain, uh, to be honest with you. I think given everything that's gone on with the with the number one and the number two, when you know, he, he's back up in Kepa and De Gea. Um and there's a lot of this a lot of pressure always on De Gea. He's not very well liked in Spain. Um, meanwhile, you know, Kepa, um, you know again, people are seeing that he he's really, really struggled and he's got to have that big fee over him. Um, but for, yeah, for me, I mean, to answer your question, and yeah, I think Unai Simon is definitely um, in the, not even taking into account the, the troubles that the other goalkeepers have had. I think Simon has, has shown himself to be enough of a prospect. Um, and, and, you know, I, Kepa, De Gea were expected to, to fight for the jersey for the next decade or so. Um, and, and now there's another contender. There could potentially be another one if Alex Romero kicks on at Real Sociedad, who again comes from Athletic Bilbao as well. So, you know, Athletic's starting to produce, uh, getting a bit of a name for themselves in terms of producing good goalkeepers, uh, very good goalkeepers, in fact. And I think they've really got a special one here in Unai Simon. 
I mean, he's had clean sheets this season against Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu, um, against Barcelona twice, uh, and also against Real Sociedad, who've been who've been brilliant in attack this year. Um, would you say it's more sort of to do with the defensive setup that Garitano's got there in general, or has he sort of single-handedly pulled Athletic uh, through games at times? Do you feel? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I know Jano Black has always had this uh, question hang over him. The fact of the matter is, it's uh, you know, it's half and half. I would say it's 50-50. We've seen Garitano come in, instill a very tough defensive system. Athletic's more organised than ever. I can recall when they were under Joaquin Caparros, um, that he, you know, that they were very rigid defensively. And this is the first time I've seen them uh, like that. Um, but the other half is that he is still producing a lot of very, very good um saves and I was actually I pulled up some of his ex uh, CG stats basically looking at the number of difficult shots that he is facing and and he's in the top amount for that so he he is saving very very difficult shots um that are being put at him those that are coming at him aren't exactly you know just simple catches he's, he's doing a lot of work there and um, his footwork particularly is um, we'll, we'll get on to talking about his strengths in a minute but you know his footwork especially I think and in terms of his reactions is is really really impressive you mentioned a couple of his his attributes there. Just what what would you say sort of his most defining attribute is, or, or the one that makes him stand out? Because you get goalkeepers who are you know very much front foot keepers, you know, dominating their box, always coming to claim high balls, or, or ones that are comfortable with the ball at their feet and in and around the penalty area. And then you have others who are sort of more traditional out and out shot stoppers who you associate with teams who are less who are less dominant on the ball and are obviously having to make more saves. If you were going to put Simon into one of those boxes, which which would it be? I'd probably actually say he's more of a modern goalkeeper first and foremost. He, he does like to play with his feet. Uh, sometimes he has been guilty of overplaying it. I think a lot of these young goalkeepers coming up, they do look up to people like Ter Stegen, uh, for instance, and they look at how he uses his feet and they sometimes try to do that. It takes a while, I think, before you come to a level where you're like extremely, extremely comfortable. A lot of people, a lot of goalkeepers will be, you know, will obviously be good when they're coming through the ranks uh, with their feet. But I think to become extremely, you know, comfortable, competent with with the ball at your feet, then it takes time. Ter Stegen is pretty much there right now. Allison is pretty much there right now. I'm um, sorry, is definitely there right now. You know, and those are two examples who were there, and they're the, they're the bar. Sometimes young players, uh, young goalkeepers, are, are guilty of, of looking up to those, um, you, you know, those goalkeepers and, and and looking to emulate them directly. And, and he's made a few errors like that. As Simon, but no, not too many, and and so he's getting there. But he's also got those traditional aspects. And interestingly enough, when you come through the Basque ranks, you are very much seen as um, a physical competitor. It's it's always the thing that people look at at Basque players. They always say, "All oh, right, he must be really, really good physically. He'll be tough." But I think in the last few years, we've we, we've seen players come through, and I think it started with Munain. Munain was actually the first one to come through. I think where people were like, "Oh, this kid, it's like he's come from La Masia. It's like he's come through Barcelona's academy." Uh, and then there's been others after that. Uh, Inaki Williams has been another one as well. Very, very different type of player to what they used to strike other players on the shoulder very, very quick. Usually the more static target men strikers. And then now we have Simon with Gunai Simon. Uh, he's not first and foremost a physical goalkeeper, somebody who's, you know, he's very, very good at claiming crosses. He's very, very good at commanding his area. Yes, of course, but those are the that's the stigma that a lot of the Basque goalkeepers when they're coming through live with. But he's shown with that footwork that he's particularly good like that as well, and he and he is modern and he is developing. But um, I, I would say his best is his reaction saves are unbelievable. His his speed across his line, uh, coming out of his area. If he he knows if he needs to come off the line, his line, he knows when to do it, when not to do it. 
Um, so, yeah, I'd say it's his, his speed of thought, his train of thought is really, really impressive. His decision-making in the penalty area where he hasn't got much time to make a, you know, a, a guilt-edged decision, he, he does it very, very well. You just mentioned a couple of goalkeepers there that you know he, he can aspire to to emulate. You know the likes of Tishtegan, Allison, and you know Edison as well. I mean, just just off the top of my head, they're all twenty six or over, and you know Unai Simon is still only twenty two, and and I mean you'd assume he'll be number one for the next four years, uh, provided that he doesn't move anywhere, um, and obviously playing at a good standard in in La Liga as you'd expect. I mean, so there's definitely room to grow there, and those those sort of errors and those tendencies to overplay would definitely sort of be knocked out of his game. You'd feel. Would you say that you know the Basque clubs have, have sort of drawn on a bit of inspiration from the likes of La Fabrica or, or La Masia in sort of nurturing their younger players and and bringing them up to speed with a more sort of modern style and, and moving away from that sort of stereotype that Basque players are, are a bit more rigid and robust, a bit like you know the the Aritzadurises that associate with with Basque players and Basque clubs. One hundred percent. I think they've seen and they've looked at it and, and said, "Look, we're we're a small number of people. We're a small region here. Um, you know, we we have to still. You know, they they've never been relegated before. Um, obviously, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But yeah, they they've had to adapt. They've had to you know develop other strengths. They they can't just be physical. Now, don't get me wrong. They've been very successful being physical and and purely that being physical, organized. Um, playing a lot of you know crosses into the area, having target man strikers, Adarith, Llorente, people like this down the years, Agarecci, Real Sociedad as well. But they've had to develop, and they've done this by taking you know that they've played with at youth levels. They've played with alongside Barcelona players, and they've played alongside Real Madrid players, um, Valencia. You know, play, people who play a different way, shall we say? And they've seen that, and they've adapted really, really well. And and now they've got lots of players coming through who are of this type, who are not what you'd associate with. Um, another player we'll get on to soon is Oyehan Sangset. And now I think he's a great example because he is very, very physically strong. Very, He's a big lad. He really can handle himself. But my word, he's got unbelievable technique and, and, and vision. He's he's almost part Basque, part, part South American in the way he plays. He's got that flair, but he's also got that, that rigid nature about him. And, and yeah, and it's really impressive to see that Athletic have done this. Now, don't get me wrong. They've always had an amazing academy. They stay in the top flight through having that great, great academy. And now it's only getting better and it's it's in a stronger position than I think it's ever, ever been. They're producing a better calibre of players than ever. In in terms of athletic club, just a bit of background for anyone who isn't aware. They're a club based in the Basque country region of Spain, uh, in the city of Bilbao, which is in, in the northern part of, of Spain. Um, you know, the, the huge fan base, hugely passionate, incredibly unique in the sense that their club policy, as you've just touched on, is, is only to feature players from the Basque country, which also includes a little portion of France. Um I suppose it makes it all the more remarkable in this day and age of globalised football transfers and just the, the world in general um, that they've never been relegated from La Liga, as you just mentioned, in their in their entire history. I mean, that's what? That's coming on 80, 90 years of, of history of never being out of the top flight. I mean, you think how many clubs have been relegated. I think it's all of them apart from all of the ones who have played in La Liga, apart from Real Madrid, Barcelona and an athletic club. So... David, your fingers on the pulse a great deal more when it comes to La Liga and, and, and the league system in Spain. But just how huge an achievement is that for a club that exclusively brings through young players and, and signs them from such a small catchment area? Yeah, it's 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 really, really difficult um, to, to put it in perspective. The Basque country makes up about 1.4% of Spain's territory, 4.9% of its population. 
um, you know, and I think that's amazing. And when you look at it, I think it's um, 18 of about the 24 starters this season have, have been Basque. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's just unbelievable. Obviously, the others, some of the others uh, who, are, you know, people's going to say, well, you know, who are the other Basque players? They kind of come from different regions around, but they've come through the academy. Uh, you look at the the last derby as well. Um, again, there were 15 starters of the 22 between Athletic and Real Sociedad. Uh, 17, if you include two from Navarra. Navarra is a bit of a disputed one, or whether Osasuna in Navarra is is historically is Basque, you know. But historically, yes, it is. Some consider it one of the seven historic Basque provinces. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's massive the, the way that they, it's it's like taking one region of the UK. And just producing players from there and thriving on it. I mean, I guess we, you know, it, it's a fun task to do. You know, who who would win the, you know, in UK regions if you know if only players came from London, if only players came from the northwest, the northeast. It'll be interesting to see what sort of teams could be put together. And and Athletic, you know, they survive by doing this, and it's just remarkable that they they continue to do. And and like we said, they've made massive developments and they've only produced better players. I've I've never seen anything like Athletic. I've been covering La Liga. For, for 10 years and for me you know I know one certain club has an MSK on club you know that we're more than a club player motto but for me if, they, if I had to pick one club that was more than a club it would be Athletic Bilbao by by some some distance it's it's quite evidently clear that they are the most unique club um, in Spain and I think Bilbao is the most unique city as well. I've heard a lot of people describe Bilbao as, as sort of that unique place and it's a bit different compared to the rest of Spain. And I suppose you've kind of got that in reflected in the football team. Um, unfortunately, Euro 2020 was set to be hosted in, in Bilbao for one of those one of those host cities. Um, but that obviously has been pushed back to 2021. Uh, it's definitely a place that I'd, I'd love to love to go just to to, to sample the football and culture there. Um, but just getting back to Athletic Club and, and sort of their youth structure, we've we've spoken about their um, their youth setup already um, and how they bring players through, get them into the first team. Uh, this season, there are a handful of under-23s in the Athletic squad, um, Unai Simon being one, uh, the goalkeeper who we've just touched on, um, but also Unai Nunez, uh, the defender, and, and one in particular that I'm intrigued by is, is uh, a 19-year-old Oyan Sanset, who you mentioned just earlier, who, who's broken into the first team of late. Um, first and foremost, of, of those two, I mean, who are they? Yeah, sure. Unai Nunez, really, really good centre-back. Um, when he first came through um, in the youth categories, he was seeing a tough, aggressive sort of centre-back, your classic Basque centre-back, shall we say. Um, but as he's been put into the first team, as he's played the Spain in 21s, we've seen him be very, very competent on the ball. And, and that's a credit to the coaches, to the managers at, at the top level who are bringing that out to him and saying, look, be confident on the ball. And and it's why one of his idols is Carles Puyol and why another one of his idols is Aymeric Laporte. You know, two very, very different styles of centre-back where he draws you know, from both of them. And I think that's really, you know, that's really, really impressive of him to to look at that and say, look, I can be well-rounded. I don't have to just have to be one type of centre-back. Um, Inigo Martinez is another one who I think's done that as well. He's got this very, he's got a gruff appearance, um, but he is very much a stylish player moving out of defence. And I think you have to be, I think you have to be well-rounded. It's like, just going back to Unai Simon, you have to be well-rounded now to succeed. I don't think, if, if you're just one, a very one-track player, you will get you will get found out very very soon in your career, and 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 it'll make things very very difficult. Players are encouraged to adapt to to different methods, to to go different ways, to to listen to different methods of coaching, and I think that is what's happened with Unai Nunez, and he's come on. He's a very very different player to what I saw when he first came through, which is really really great to see. And 
constantly seeing Premier League teams linked to him um, and smaller Premier League teams too. But I think he's a little bit better than that. I think well, I think he's a lot better than that. I think he's easily somebody who could play for a, a top half um, team. I think, say, for instance, if Wolves potentially sold on a centre-back or lost a centre-back for whatever reason, type of club that he would, he would fit in perfectly. I think Everton would, would really, really like and that sort of... Uh, the teams, you know, are aspiring for more. And now, Oyen Sangset is one, I'd, I'd probably say, he looks to me... I think the most talented player in the Basque region, uh, without a doubt, and you can put him there with one of the top top prospects in Spanish football. Um, I think he's that he's going to be that important for Athletic over the coming years um, as they continue to adapt and, and try and compete at the top. He's the sort of the player that will get them there. Really gifted little uh, creative player, good physique about him as well as good technique, and and I think that's what makes him interesting. He's very cultured, creative, delicate player. Really, really good in the ball. Final pass, excellent ability. Just you know to dribble. His skill is really, really impressive. But he's also quite strong as well. He uses his body well, and I think he's somebody who Inaki Williams could benefit off greatly over the coming years. Instead of just having the ball lumped over to him or up into the channels, Sangset is somebody who can just you know just pick him out and I think uh, bring something out of a maybe a chance out of nothing. So, yeah, he's he's one I'd, I'd, I'd say that everybody should be watching over the next few years. Would you say Sunset is the sort of player that would be able to support Inaki Williams in sort of a, a supplementary or a, or a second striker sort of role? Yeah, that's definitely, I think, where he's, where he's best at. I think if Inaki looks at it and says, look, I want, I want to be a centre-forward now, I don't have to do all the leg work in the channels or as a second striker uh, to anyone because he's very much going to be the main striker now. I think Athletic slowly moving away from that big target man type system. Uh, Anaki could play centre forward. Sangset and Munain just behind him would be really, really nice. I think that's probably the dream to see those three together um, in, in an attack somehow. Yeah, so Sansa is, is an under-18 Spanish international, but he has been called up to the under-21 squad before, but hasn't mm. made it off the bench. Yeah. In terms of Athletic's biggest success stories over the past decades, you know, they are probably the two that you've just mentioned in Ika Munain and Iñaki Williams. Given that he probably will be involved in the under-21 setup with Spain uh, going forth, is, would you say there's a chance he could be sort of spoken about in the same breath as, as, as the Munains and, and the Iñaki Williams? Yeah, very much so. I don't see why that wouldn't be any different um you know he he is very much touted to be that he he is the biggest talent i think in that in la fama but um, where they train at you know their, their their academy what they call it um and and yeah he, he is definitely the the biggest talent there and, and the idea is to get him one in williams um all together same team so yeah yeah there's this big thing big things expected for him i think and you know what he, he would have already made his debut he would have been or before well before he he did but he suffered a really really bad injury in a, in a reserve game and and that set him back a little bit and that 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 was a shame but yeah he's he, he's going along really really well now um he has good stats for athletics uh, reserve side this season in the I believe it's at the third division. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they were in uh, Segunda, but they went back down. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, they they are playing at a decent level right now, and they'll always look to try and get back up. I think to to compete in Segunda because it's a it's a better learning ground. I think for those players, you know, it's at a high level. But um, yeah, yeah, it's still at a good level now. I think. Do you think that perhaps with him with him not being in Segunda, but being in that sort of that tier down, he's probably too good for that level at the moment? And maybe he's probably, there's a chance that while he's not a, an established first teamer at, at Athletic, that he's maybe in a bit of a, a bit of a limbo, that he's always going to be around the first team and and maybe just too good for that for that third division reserve side. 
Absolutely. I think it's a problem Barcelona's encountered a lot over the last few last few years. Um, so Athletic will look at it and say, you know, um, obviously they'll have a much smaller squad than, than Barcelona. So Sangset will say, look, I think I'm potentially break into this team. There's, there's no other player like me in the first team squad. Athletic though might look at it and say, oh, we're going to play a certain way for now. Maybe alone will be better for you. So that's maybe something they will they will look at in the summer. Are Athletic a club that tend to loan out their younger players or, you know, given the given the catchment area and, and given the, the club policy, do you think that they would look more to sort of loaning out their players given that they are, as you say, sort of a, a more unique club than, than others? They do look to you know to form them in house, I think, and, and put them into the first team and grow them from there. They'd they'd rather do that than loan. But in some cases they might have to. For instance, Unai Simon, he was out on loan um and he came back. So yeah, yeah, it makes uh, perfect sense, um, I think, to 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 do that with uh Sangset, uh, to try and keep him in house. But if it doesn't work, then they'll have to loan him out and there'll be plenty of people wanting him. Yeah, I suppose I suppose football will be the most important thing to, for him to to be playing, no matter even if it is outside of the Basque Country. There are other Basque sides in Spain's top division, um, three more to be exact. Uh, that would be Real Sociedad, uh, Deportivo Alaves, and Este Bar. Um, given the departure of Mark Cucurella at the end of last season, Ebar are not stacked when it comes to under twenty threes, to say the least, and and neither are Alaves really in terms of in terms of regulars. Sociedad, on the other hand, very much are, and sort of they've been one of the best teams to watch this season in La Liga, um, especially from from an under twenty three perspective, because so it's not just you know they're supplementing their first team squad with lots of cameos by under twenty threes. It's more the fact that their key players are in that age bracket. They also happen to be Athletic Club's opponents in, in the Copa del Rey final, whenever that's to be played, of course, postponed at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got they've got the likes of Mikel Marino, Martin Odegaard on loan, of course, um, Mikel Oyazabal, Igor Subaldia, uh, Alex Isak, and, and of course, the, the youngest of them all, teenager, and the Baronet Sea. Just coming back to you, David, what I mean, what can you tell us about La Royale and, and, and why they've been so successful with this approach this season? Yeah, I think that they've always looked to to have young players in the team. You know, you've done it throughout the years. You you know, you've got to look. That's where don't forget where Antoine Griezmann got his uh, shot as well, really, where he truly came through. So they've always looked to younger players. But I think more so the last few years, and especially this season. Yeah, um, you know the way that they are set up again. They're another club that looks to promote from within, or they can get a talented youngster from outside as well. They're almost like the. The, the Spanish version of uh, Borussia Dortmund, they do look to get those young players in and allow them a good ground to to form, to to, to come up in football. Um, and, you know, you just got to look at the manager as well, Imanol Lagosil. You know, he, um, he came through La Real's academy himself, played for the first team, coached in the youth academy, was assistant to the first team, was a caretaker of the first team, and then now he's the main man. So he's been through every level at the club, so he knows what it's all about. Um, he knows how to work with young players. He was, you know, he was one himself at the club, and and, and that helps, I think, a great deal. Now, Real Sociedad don't operate the same policy as as Athletic Club, hence why they can field the Norwegian Martin Odegaard, and and I suppose that's a, as good an in as any, really. I mean, he's one player who's had an absolutely fantastic 2019-20 season to date, uh, while on loan there, uh, and and to be brutally honest, it's one we've probably failed to mention an awful lot on this podcast. Um, because he's been so good. We've seen a lot of him and Sociedad this year, um, who under Imanol, as you've said, has, have been great. But I, I think 
would have been nowhere near as good without Odegaard. He's had that much of an influence, I think. How much influence do you think he's had sort of on the style and approach that Sociedad have played this year? Is it sort of the team is built around him or is has he just adapted to how the team as a collective have wanted to play? I think they had an idea of, of you know, of, of how they wanted to play, but they probably didn't realise how influential Odegaard would become. They, I think they knew he was a good player, but they just potentially didn't realise how profound his impact would be on the team. As um, soon as they realised that, they said, OK, let's let's run things through Odegaard. And, and, and he's been happy with that responsibility. He's a very uh, smart kid, very confident in his ability. Uh, he gets involved in all aspects of play. Um, and, and that's why it's it's only right to run through him, and, and he's happy to do that. And it's great to see that as the responsibility has increased, um, his level is is only matched that as well. I mean, in terms of his level that he's that he's reaching at the moment, or has been, um, he's he's been posting very very good numbers, especially when it comes to his creativity in in terms of creative passes in La Liga this year. Um, in fact, he's only second to the obscene Lionel Messi, which I suppose for a 21-year-old playing a first full La Liga campaign is pretty obscene in itself. Just to draw on those numbers, he's registering 2.63 through passes per 90, um, which, just to break that down, according to uh, Dato BHJ's graphic, who's a great account to follow for database and stuff like that, um, is uh, through pass is categorised as a successful pass that goes beyond a team's defensive line and leaves an attacking player through with the goalkeeper to beat. So 2.63 of those per game, I mean, that's almost three instances per match. And that's fairly abnormal because, you you know, you remember those moments as a fan, as a, as a neutral, as anyone who watches football when, when a striker goes through on goal. Um, do you think that's what catches the eye with Odegaard? That, you know, his command over the ball and he knows where he wants to put it and he, he carries it out more often than not? I think so. He's an extremely decisive player. Um, you can already see before he receives the ball, you know, he's looked, always, I like, I like it when I see players move the ball. I know it sounds such a simple thing, but a lot of players don't do it. They remain very static, I think. Odegaard is not like that. When he has the ball, he's very decisive with it. He knows what he's going to do. When he's off the ball, I think there's a lot of hunger to still be involved, to get the ball back, to press, um, you know, to, to get back into position. Very, very well-rounded in that regard. Very intelligent, I think, to see a young player do that and have awareness of that. He doesn't just, you know, just jog back or, or stroll back. He's very much wanting to get involved in things all the time. Um, and and again, it's what makes him such a special player, I think. Of course, he's on loan from Real Madrid. That's no that's no secret. But g- given that he will move, go back to Real Madrid and probably feature for, for them next year, how much yeah. are Sociedad going to miss him next season? And I mean, who's going to be in line to, to step into, you know, those huge boots to fill? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've asked because the, the general feeling is that Odegaard's going to go back to Real Madrid and uh, Kubo is going to come from Mallorca, from the loaner he's got in Mallorca from Real Madrid and, and just basically go to Real Sociedad. And that would just make perfect sense to me as well um, with something to do. I mean, that is music to my ears. That's music to everyone at Scouted's ears. We love yeah. I mean, Taki Kubo's brilliant, isn't he? He's just such a little yeah. maverick. Um, is he, he's had a bit of a tough time in Mallorca, really, because they, they're yeah. not exactly a team who play on the front foot and obviously at the other end of the table. But, I mean, playing in in that Sociedad team where he's got that bit more freedom, um, it could be fantastic. And, you know, a second year in La Liga would be brilliant for him. Yeah, it's it's, it's been a toughening up year, I think, in Mallorca, both mentally, you know, and on the field as well. But, I will say when he has come on, he's always shown application and the right attitude and he's always made an impact as well. I know there's just something nice to form between him 
uh, and another scout football favourite in Cucho Hernandez. So when those two are on the field together, something special happens. And, and you're completely right. If he does go to Real Sociedad next year, he'll have a lot more freedom, ability to be creative. And again, like Odegaard has, make it his team. Uh, moving on from, from Odegaard, um, who no doubt will feature a great deal more on this podcast in the future, um, we posted a tweet around a month or so ago, which will, will of course now be out of date, but the principle of it remains the same. It was it was in reference to Mikel Marino, who is, if they're not aware, a 23-year-old deep midfielder um, who's also at Real Sociedad. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm just going to rattle off the metrics that he was a leader in amongst his Real Sociedad teammates. Um he had attempted the most passes, made the most ball recoveries, uh, won the most aerial duels, made the most tackles, won the most fouls, uh, and made the most interceptions. I mean, out of that, that's so many strings to his bow there. I mean, when a player is that heavily involved across the board, does that make him sort of the first name on the team sheet without question? Even when you have players like Martin Odegaard and, and Mikel Oyathabal and, and players like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's very much the heartbeat of the side. He he kind of makes them tick from, from from all aspects in midfield. I think you know the way that he he knits things together. His passes sometimes can be very very simple, but very very effective in just keeping control. I think and and, and keeping Real Sociedad you going in the right direction. But he can also you know his range of passing is impressive too. He, he can play box to box if needs be. He can sit around centre midfield, just string things together as we just said. Um, and, and yeah, I think a player like that is so, so valuable because if you want to go in a different direction during the game, if you need to go and control, if you maybe need to go on the front, fra- front foot, he can step up and join the attack. If you're chasing a goal, again, you can join the attack. Um, if you're defending something, you can just sit in front of the defence as well and, and work with Sibelia. Um And and yeah, he, he, he really is somebody who can do it all in there and um, he's developed so, so much in, in, in this one season. I think something that doesn't get mentioned enough, especially when it comes to ball dominant players, is that, you know, from from five aside to to La Liga, you know, at every walk of of football in life, the trust that you have in your players, the the players that you trust the most, you're going to play the ball to them because you know that they're not going to forfeit possession. You know that they're not going to dawdle on the ball. You know that they're going to progress play down the other flank if, if needs be, if you're kind of, if you're under a bit of pressure on the other side. And I suppose that's kind of reflected in, in the fact that he's attempted and and I think at the time had, had, had completed the second most uh, passes uh, for, for the Sociedad, for this Sociedad side. I think it's clear that the rest of the, the La Real side, they, they trust in him to be sort of, as you said, the heartbeat of their team, to just keep them ticking over, not to overcomplicate things at times, you know, just maybe laying off a few passes here and there, but also having that ability to thread one through to, to the more attacking guys um, if needs be. And I think that's something that ne- neglects to be mentioned a lot is is the trust within that 11 that, that is clearly in, in Mikel Marino and his ability. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, so important. I think he hasn't had the trust. Um, he didn't get it at Dortmund and probably is not enough at Newcastle. Um, you know that he hasn't had since he was at Osasuna, um, and even then at Osasuna he was playing. He, you know he wasn't exactly the leader of the team, but I think at Real Sociedad there could be an argument made that he, yes, Odegaard finishes things off and very much leads the attack. But in terms of the whole team and how it runs, it it goes through Marino. Everything goes through Marino. Um, so yeah, he's got a lot of responsibility now, and you can see him thriving on that. And again, it's good from a young player to see that sort of attitude and to rise up to the challenge, the occasion. 
Yeah, it's his second season at Sociedad. Bit of a tongue twister there. Um, have you seen any sort of, I mean, it's probably a silly question based on what you've already said, but have you seen any sort of serious progression from him, you know, compared to his Newcastle and Dortmund days? Or is it more the fact that he's always been capable of this, but he's just never been given a string of games for, you know, for whatever reason of being sort of out of favour or, or had a few injuries? Precisely that. I just think, yeah, he's. He, I think with giving more games and more faith showing his ability, his confidence has grown. I think he always lacked his confidence. Actually, I didn't think he was. He's not a typically loud, a brash player, um, you know. And and I think that shows sometimes. But now his game has a lot more personality about it. In turn, he, he looks commanding. He's not a midfielder you want to come up against. Um, and and I think that's. I think it's yeah. It's definitely a confidence aspect. I think you know that's what happens. That's why you give young players a few more games. You give them maybe six, seven games of running the team to develop, show themselves. They might make two bad games or three bad games, but you know you you take the good from it, and they're taking the good from seeing Marino's performances, and 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 now it's uh, reaping rewards. I think one of the key aspects about Mikel Marino's game and and getting the best out of him is definitely him feeling settled and 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 at home and comfortable, and I suppose it helps that at Sociedad he's literally an hour's car journey away from where he grew up. Um, that that was the problem at, at Dortmund. You know, he'd obviously moved from Osasuna at such a young age. Um, he, I remember reading something which said that he lived with a childhood friend uh, when he was in Germany, just to you know to ease that transition. And and then when he came to Newcastle, he, he was good at first, um, felt very welcome, but then was sort of out of the side, maybe isolated, and and due to the form of players around him and players in his position, didn't really get a look in again. And maybe that was why sort of a clause was entered in his in his contract to say that there will be a release fee that was quite low compared to his actual ability um, should he want to, you know, return to, to Spain or somewhere like that. And and I'm, I'm quite happy for him because, you know, he is thriving. He is probably one of the better players in Europe in the in the function that he does and he's playing in a team that facilitates that he's playing in a team that as I've just said trusts him and uh, trusts in him and and in his ability and and I mean progression is evident really he's he's, he's come on leaps and bounds and I remember Marino spoke about his positional versatility and, and sort of the different roles and functions that he can bring to a side uh, during his time at Newcastle back in 2017. Yes, of course. I want to be the, the most complete player I can. I want to, to adapt my game to this league. I want to, to play forward. I want to have uh, everything I can. And scoring goals is another thing. I'm lucky because in the last few weeks with the national team, I, I have scored uh, two goals and, and here another one. So uh, it's, uh, it's not my, my principal job, but uh, if you can add this thing to, to your game, it's even better. I suppose that kind of takes me on to my next question. And it's only natural, really, that when a player is playing so well at that level um, for for a consistent period of time, that, you know, you're going to get, get into that discussion about, oh, is he going to be playing for the national team, all that sort of thing. And, I mean, he's he's respected amongst the, you know, Spain international, Spanish international setup, you know, racked up 20 caps for Spain's under 21s. Um, but at the senior side, crucially, he does face hot competition in that sort of number six, number eight spot, depending on the on this formation. Um, surely on the back on the back of this season, he would have been with in with a shout of being called up for Euro twenty twenty. I don't think, or I don't, I don't believe he would have started, but I think he would have been in with a shout of being, you know, on that bench in those UEFA bibs. Um, I suppose now that won't be the case, but. With with Sergio Busquets being 32, 33 at the, at the time of Euro 2021 and, and Marino, who then be 24, 25, 
is there is there a case for him to be involved uh, next year, or or are the likes of Busquets, Rodri, um, and even Mark Rocker, you know, are they going to prove too tough a competition for him? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough position to break into, but I think he's jumped over Mark Rocker. Rocker was the one I had kind of pinned down, but given the way things have gone this season, um, his form has dropped off a little bit. I think it's largely due to the system, to the style that Espanyol are playing, which has hurt Rocker. Um, that so that hasn't helped him there. So I think Marino can can jump him basically. Um, and then Busquets' form hasn't been that good, but I think as long as he's round and, and he hasn't retired, then um, Spain will keep picking him. Um, but so Rodri is mainly the one, and I'm I'm a little bit unsure whether the two can coexist together because the only the way I could see it is if Spain decide to employ um, Mourinho as uh, more of a a box to box player, like which he can play, he's very comfortable playing. Um, that would be really interesting. But I mean, they could try to replicate it. Zabaldia plays a little bit deeper than Marino for Real Sociedad, so that could be Rodri playing a little bit deeper, Marino a header, and then an attacking midfielder. So it could work in that sense. But I don't know. I I think having the two together might be a little bit too flat and it might be a little bit too much for one. Um, so I think maybe in bigger games, you could play both together. But yeah, it's it's a difficult position for him, but it's it's there to be won. Of course there is. Uh, yeah, there's a few, you know, there's like, there's, there's always a chance there, I think, if your form's good enough. You know, you say that it could be potentially a little bit flat if you had that sort of Marino and, and Rodri duo. Um, I, I suppose I, I agree with that sentiment. The the concern that I would have is that you might have problems in in having the legs to support attacks because I know that you know Marino is is capable of playing that box to box role, but when it comes to it, is he going to is he going to prefer to sort of sit in that hold more holding role, that more reserved you know dictatorial role that that he's more comfortable in, sort of in an unfamiliar environment in sort of his first few caps for Spain, if and when they come. That that would be my my concern um, if he was played as a as as a more I don't know as a hybrid between a six and an eight, but yeah I I think the future is bright for Marino because you know he's 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 already played quite a lot of first team football even at you know Newcastle and Dortmund as well and and of course um, when he was a, when he was even younger at Osasuna so he definitely has sort of a very well rounded skill set seems to be a very level headed player. And also very effective at, at making the right decision and being good at his job. Um, and aside to that, I'd really like to ask you about another Sociedad player who's 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 a little bit younger. He's still only eighteen years old, um, and that's Ander Baranetsea because he's a lot more of a maverick player. He's he's like a little left wing left sided pocket rocket, but he's right footed. And and I mean, I love an inside forward. I just love that sort of cutting in and someone who plays on the opposite wing to to their favourite foot. I'm sure you'll tell us more about him, but you know, broke through towards the end of last season, and and I suppose probably due to due to how good Sociedad have been this year going forward with the wealth of atto- attacking options they have, very much been restricted to to fewer league minutes. Um, but it's really in the Copa del Rey where he's where he's been brilliant, and and the four three win over Real Madrid, I'm sure you'll know, uh, in particular was was fantastic uh, for him, despite you know just playing the the frantic second half. Um, what I mean, what do you think the future holds for him? Um, assuming that normality will, will resume in, in the coming months, I think he'll play a lot more next season. Absolutely, he'll have a big preseason. I think with the first team, which will be important in his development. I think he's already shown that he's willing to play. He's you know he's ready. I think he's still of course very raw in places, but that doesn't really matter. Everybody has to be raw at some point before they start getting games. So yeah, you can see him coming in. I don't really see much of a future for William uh, Jose at the club. So that means there's space and that attack potentially for him to come in. 
and and yeah, you know, I think he's just a re- he's probably his real sausage. We've said about Sangset being Athletic Bilbao's biggest talent, and there's no doubt about it. Berenciya is is definitely the real Sociedad's biggest talent. I think he's such an interesting little player. Um, I think the first player to score um, from the, born in the 21st century um, in La Liga. 16 years and 359 days uh, when he came on against Alaves, and then he scored against Real Madrid, of course. So he's got, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of a penchant for, for doing something on the big stage. He's just a really, really interesting little player, and he's one that they're going to try and hold on to the next few years, and then really develop and become a key player. Um, players will go in and out of Real Sociedad. Just the nature of the club, they will loan people in. They might have to sell as well. But yeah, Benatia is, is somebody to watch. Um, I, I do like that um, the goalkeeper Moya still sometimes brings him in uh, to training because uh, uh, Benatia doesn't have his driving license. So he either gets a lift in off Moya or he just gets one of the public bikes what's uh, in San Sebastian in the city, which I think is just a, a great little nugget. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're always like nice little stories when you see sort of the the star of the weekend or, or whatever. You know, he's had a great game, but he's, he's you know he's taking the bus, he's taking one of the bikes in. Just kind of it's yeah, a humbling. It's good. It's good that he's um he's he's from a family of uh, sport and stuff as well. His his mother's actually a, a basketball coach, which I think is pretty cool as well. And and uh, yeah, basketball is really really big in the, in in the Basque country and in, in Spain generally. Um and and yeah yeah she's she's well known for being a, a good coach. Oh yeah, I suppose he's going to be getting all the sort of right advice at home, and it's easy to forget he's, he's you know he's still only eighteen years old. Um, yeah, absolutely. But he, to me, whenever I've seen him, and admittedly that's not as much as I'd like, it was it's mainly been in that Real Madrid game, and then sort of snippets in in highlights when he's when he's done like done well, sort of like assists or or, or scored. The thing that gets me is that he doesn't seem overawed at all, um, which. I think, again, is another thing that gets glossed over a little bit when it comes to teenagers uh, playing at the top level. Because to, to you or I, you know, playing it in at the Santiago Bernabeu um, as a teenager might have been sort of the, the most ridiculous, surreal experience ever. But Baranetia in that game in the Copa del Rey quarterfinal um, came on and, and just it seemed like a like a training game for him. He, he was he was taking up players on at will and 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 getting the ball down trying his best to get those little tackles in you know those those little disruptive actions and you think you know that's that's really really commendable and that's something that I think will only stand him in good stead in in the years to come and and as you say you know that that pre-season that whenever that is in 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 future is going to be very valuable to him to you know getting getting into that Real Sociedad first team as a as an 18 19 20 year old and, and becoming an established regular Oh yeah, it's it's about showing energy, application, enthusiasm, and Baron Chena has it in spades. He really, really does. I think it's his best quality. I think it's the energy that he plays with, the drive that he plays with. He's always looking to cause trouble, create one v one situations, use his speed to take on players. Um, really, really talented little winger, second striker, and I think you know he's already said he wants to be. Uh, you know, I think he was asked uh, where does he see himself in ten years. And he said, oh, as a as a leader for Real Sociedad and, and in the Champions League and such a good little attitude to have, I think. And, and I have no doubt that he, he can be there. Just moving on from, from Baran Itzier and Odegaard and, and Marino, are there any others at Real Sociedad that you'd care to mention, obviously under 23s? Because, you know, they do have quite a few and, and a lot of them do have sort of different sort of different skill sets that, that make them more identifiable than others. Yeah, of course. I mean, I guess we've got to touch on Alexander Isaac, really. Um, you know, and what he's done this season. I think 
you know, he's he's come over again. He's another one I think wasn't given the correct chances at Borussia Dortmund. Um, he he's had to go out to to learn. He went to uh, to the Eredivisie um, to learn, and, and he scored plenty of goals there as well. And Real Sociedad took a chance on him, and and he's been incredible. Um, he he really really has been everything that he's done. And you know, I, I made the point when the start of the season when William Jose was still starting games, I was thinking, why is this happening? Because even little flashes of exactly just look, it looked like he had a more to him in terms of his awareness of what was going on around him, and uh, he soon became a starter, and then the rest history in his goal scoring rate has been unbelievable. So he's another one, but Real Sociedad continue to 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 look to their academy. I think all, all the time, you know, they've got uh, Lenormand as well, um, who's come through. Um, another one who's come through from from their French sort of sector is similar to like how Griezmann did as well. Um, so he's one. So, so Real Sociedad will continue to to bring players up, and you've got to remember Xabi Alonso is now there as well in the in the youth academy in terms of coaching the kids. Um, so you've got to remember that he's there. So that's a good figure as well. And we're only going to see more, and some of them will be Xabi Alonso approved, which I think is probably one of the highest honors in in football you could have as a young player. Really, <laughs> definitely. I mean, to have Xabi Alonso in sort of that in that youth setup there, it's going to be so invaluable to to. You know, humbling those those kids that are they're in that youth setup because you know to have such a legend of the game, you know, coaching you again is 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 going to be one of those pinch yourself moments for sure. And you're going to want to impress someone like that, aren't you? Um, just going back to to what you were saying about Alex Isak, yeah, he's he's one that I can't believe I haven't mentioned earlier in in this Basque episode because you know he's he's been fantastic. I mean, uh, he's been fantastic for the best part of a year and a half, really, hasn't he? I mean. That, that yeah. goal scoring record at Willemsvee in, in the Eredivisie, uh, where he was pretty much scoring every game. And it was just, it was quite bizarre that, you know, Borussia Dortmund hadn't taken a chance on a player that was clearly this good. Um, I think he had that Zlatan Ibrahimovic comparison just around him for so, so long. And it was so, so tiresome, I think. And it's taken him some time to break out from that. And now we very much see that he's not another Zlatan. He's, he's a lot, lot different, I think, in terms of his style. Um, and, and yeah, he. I think Real Sociedad's done really well to get him in. They want to keep him. I think he really, really likes it there. And 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 Dortmund can still activate that clause in the summer to to bring him back. But he, the player, has a sale over himself. And I think by all means, right now he seems very, very happy. An unhappy player isn't exactly going to be a game changer in, in the biggest games of the season. Like you know, he's got two goals and an assist against Real Madrid, and and was was mm. the game changer against Athletic Club in the most recent derby. Um, and in, and he's posting what 0.6 uh, non penalty goals per ninety. I mean, this is it's ridiculous numbers for for such a young player, and and it's clearly someone who's playing confidently, playing in his pomp. Has obviously got a good group around him, and. And I suppose whenever the Copa del Rey final is played, it's going to be such an interesting fixture, um, purely and simply because it's going to have had so much build up for so long, and all these young players uh, are going to be involved in it. That you know, from a scouted perspective, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. But yeah, Isak is another one who have who who I, again I can't believe I didn't bring up earlier. But yeah, definitely, and it's it's again it just goes to show that whether you're an academy prospect. Uh, coming into the the Basque region, you know, largely through Athletic or in Real Sociedad as well, or if you're a young player who will go to Real Sociedad, um, it's a great place to be. I think for young players, um, that's the bottom line. The Basque region right now, one of the best places to be. Um, you know, the chances that you will get for Real Sociedad if you are a foreign player coming over, great base there to play. 
um, play some nice football as well. And as well, if you if you and then with Athletic as well, they're going to continue just pumping those players through, and they're only getting better. They're only getting, you know, their skill sets are more varied than ever, uh, which is great to see. And I suppose it's the best chance that either club will have of winning such a major tournament or major trophy uh, as the Copa del Rey in, in so many years, given that one of the you know the, the big three, Atletico Madrid, uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona, aren't in that final. Um, but yeah, I uh, can't wait for that. Uh, unfortunately, that is all we have for today in what has been uh, somewhat a whirlwind tour of the Basque country. Um, Athletic Club and, and Real Sociedad will, of course, face each other at some point in that Copa del Rey final, uh, whenever the football season and, and the world gets back to normality. Um, thank you to David, as, as if it hasn't been made clear enough over the past hour or so. Uh, I'm certainly not as clued up when it comes to the boys of the Basque country as, as he is. Um, but yeah, all the best with everything going forward. And, and I hope you aren't inconvenienced too much in, in, in everything that, that's been going on. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And you know, you know, all I'll say is just keep supporting scout football. Um, it's so important. You know, I've been in this industry now for ten years plus. I've worked at a lot of news desks and a lot of places, but um, honestly, scout it's a really, really important uh part of the whole journalism media sector right now. There's a lot of good young talented people working. You know, whether it be graphics, whether it be editing, whether it be writing, whether it be doing podcasts with any of it, whether it be social. Um, a lot of good talented young people. Um, around it so it's really important that you know that they're supported you know if, if you're sick of old media um, or how things are and you want to change then it's important to keep supporting things like scout football oh it's very kind of you to say i mean it means a lot coming from you david and i mean if you want more of david's insights um then do check out the Scouted Football Handbooks because, as, as I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, you know he's a regular contributor in there and, and his profiles on Spanish players and Spanish-based uh, players are, are always always a great read. Um, yeah, so stay safe by staying indoors. There are now 20 episodes of the Scouted Football Podcast to sink your teeth into, so there's no excuse really. Um, we're making a concerted effort to push uh, more written pieces on the website uh, in the coming weeks and months, uh, given the absence of live football. Uh, we're brainstorming every day of what we can bring to the table while, while the sport is on hold. Um, and speaking of which, if you haven't done so already, uh, do check out our new mailbag feature where you can ask us anything specific in the world of under-23 football uh, and we'll do our best to answer you every week. Um, we hope you've managed to put the doom and gloom on hold for an hour or so. Um, you've been listening to the Scouted Football Podcast. I've been Joe Donahue. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.